This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Sensing Bros, a programme about whānau, wellbeing and personal growth. This program is about natural buzz. There's a group of us brothers who are living alcohol and drug free and we want to share our stories and celebrate the things that are going right in the world. There's a lot of negativity. We're about positivity. We come from diverse cultural backgrounds, Samoan, Tongan, Māori, and we just want to share the love. So you're listening to Sensing Bros on Plains FM. Just want to thank our sponsor, Mabumaya. <laughs> And we're going to just continue the conversation we were having, um, which was ended in the last part about talking about dignity mm. and, 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 and anti-racism. And anti-racism. It's, excuse my voice, it's a little bit croaky at the moment. Yeah. I'm not taking the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I have. No, but no. Um, um, but we were also talking about it in terms of what happened in, across social media with the different responses to with the, the different responses the in the last few weeks and yeah. Like that. yeah yeah and um, and where those responses might be coming from and mm. so a lot of one of the things that's happened over the last several weeks is the um when we were, when we came into COVID or Corona, it was as it was being called then. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of fear, a lot of fear, and the potential for in the last few weeks for more fear mongering in 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 the space, you know. So, particularly as things aren't resolving, don't seem to be resolving in other 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 countries as, as particularly mm. America yeah um. and I, it's interesting you mention fear because that's where I, that's where I think a lot a lot of people respond to this out of and just from having had different conversations with people who are more conservative and then leaning into other conversations that are being had around anti-racism there's a response that is in love that is in humility which says I need to learn more about this I need to educate myself more I need to maybe even change some of my own ideas and a response that says I'm going to not demonize (laughs) masses of people and I'm not going to invalidate their reality. I'm going to lean into what they are saying and try and understand it and see them as human beings, you know, no different from me. It's, it's, a, it's a very humanizing part of the conversation that is actually going on. And if you listen to people like Austin Channing Brown and Ibram X. Kendi, you know, these people who are anti-racist, even some of the founders of Black Lives Matter, when you listen to them on, on YouTube, they're not... The, as they're sometimes characterized by conservatives or by people who are skeptical of the Black Lives Matter movement. They're not angry and triggered all the time. They're actually very human and very empathetic and um, have had their own journeys with coming to their positions. And the fear-based response, I actually think, is predominantly on the right with conservatives, with evangelicals even, who lean into the the conservative political right-wing thread that comes out of America. Well, the fear, the fear uh, is a moral fear. It's, it's almost a moral panic. Yeah. That if, if, if those other people... Mm. Get their way. The the moral degradation of society, society oh, the breakdown yeah. of the family, and yeah. all of those yeah, sort yeah. of things. Eh? So there's it, it, a kind of a moral panic. It's really interesting because the tension that I find is that if you believe that heaven 
isn't on earth mm. uh, um, then you can be you can lean heavily to an a political utopian transcendental afterlife mm. um, where you put all of your hopes where you put and, and all of your energy and you don't see yeah. much value in yeah. you know trying to to halt yeah moral decline but i think a lot of evangelicals um it's weird they live in this cognitive dissonance where they believe that on one hand yeah but then also many branches aren't apolitical and they mm. have leaders that take overtly political stances especially in america mm. and especially in churches in new zealand that follow churches in america mm. and take their lead on a lot of things because Evangelical churches and, and Protestant churches in general um, that aren't connected into a wider body of churches like Lutherans or Methodists, which track back to different places in Europe, um, they take a lot of their inspiration from what's going on in America and in partly in Australia a little bit with Hillsong. But mm. a lot of them are tapping into American Christian thinkers who are right-wing. The new apostolic reformed net. Yeah, the, the NAR churches, new yeah. apostolic reformation churches, which are fringe churches that kind of don't fit into older, more traditional, established... Um, people who aren't, who aren't Christian aren't in this world don't, often don't know, that, know eh? that, that there's a difference between mm. um, the more modern kind of new apostolic reformation churches that are fringe that don't connect in with traditional churches like the anglicans and the catholics or other big protestant mm. um, what do you call them denominations uh, and they it's sort of a bit of a free-for-all <laughs> when it comes to ideas because they're not connected to a, to a tradition that's bigger than them and often the leaders in these churches set themselves up as apostles and they have a very strong influence over the thinking of people that follow them and believe that they have this this divine apostolic authority. Um, well, we've gone into this, okay. <laughs> I don't think we'd go here. But well, I should probably recommend somebody um, who critiques, critiques that. Yeah. Um, well, like maybe, um, I, I I find Michael Heiser quite you, you're going to mention quite Michael helpful. Heiser, yeah, yeah. Um, so you can check him out, Doctor Michael Heiser. Um, He's also really good at the eschatology end time stuff. Yeah, because with the crises going on, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of moral panic around end times mm. and pastors mm. going, especially apostle or apostolic type church leaders which we have a few of in Christchurch and wider New Zealand, um, going to certain scriptures or certain end times sounding uh, alarmist scriptures and preying upon the fear and the uncertainty and the crises happening now and spinning it all into an end times narrative which does nothing to allay people's fears or make them more humane in their responses. Um, it actually just creates an extra, I guess, level of, what would you say, um, panic. <laughs> because, Or it makes them even less willing to be engaged because if everything's going to hell in a handbasket anyway and Jesus is going to come back and fix it all and it's going to happen soon then what's the point in you know trying to be anti-racist and so there it's a like it's, it's a double-edged sword and not in a good way <laughs> uh so my, Dr. Michael Heiser is a good one to tap into because he critiques a lot of the modern apostolic evangelical thinking around end times narratives and there's also what you've got here just r douglas Givet and holly pivek have written a book called a new apostolic reformation question mark which 
which goes heavily into pastors that call themselves apostles and like the Benny Hins and sort of the televangelists as well get thrown into that basket a little bit. Um, yeah, a lot of you know those those because um, I was just writing about this for for the book um, around the health, wealth, prosperity. Mm. You know, believe by my prayers and you'll get blessed. Or like sit underneath my leadership and you'll have the apostolic covering. Well, you don't have what you have because you don't have enough faith. Well, you haven't caught it because it's caught, not taught. I mean, that's a really insidious one because Jesus was a teacher. Yeah. You know? Well, it's... it's, um, I have a revelation from God and if you don't agree with me around my understanding of a particular biblical text, I've got the revelation. Yeah, and that's your problem, and you need to come. Yeah, you onto just need to level. get my revelation. And this yeah. doesn't happen in all churches. Like the church that I'm a part of at the moment has none of that culture at all. The leadership is not like that. Mm. Um, but it does happen in, in certain churches that have hundreds of members in New Zealand. In the States, it happens in churches with tens of thousands of members at the larger end. Mm. Um, and. It impacts communities, and it impacts the way people, a lot of these communities, are interpreting crises. Hmm. And so another person... Uh, Can I take another angle? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 go. Oh, okay, so, and and the other angle that that came through was, that I've been watching, is... um, Because these were really... I find them quite interesting. Mm. Um, conspiracy theorists that yeah. got pro- <clears throat> have been propelled to the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and actually, through you know, social media. Yeah. In terms of campaign platforms in the states, the right wing Republicans use conspiracy as campaign <laughs> campaigning. They really do. They push conspiracy theories on their political opponents and also prominent Republican thinkers do that as well um, mm. and like I, like I don't think like I'm not Well, I don't have any allegiances politically with Democrats or Republicans ideologically because that's not the space that I'm in I can't vote in America so I don't see the need to to have any allegiances but I do see that the conversation that happens over there does impact communities here and so it's important to understand it and it's important to see both sides and the, honestly the more I learn the more I, I start to pick up on the rhetorical tricks um, and the Republicans have so many of them mm. <laughs> and they really present themselves as the moral party and this and the new conservative party in New Zealand is modeling themselves off of the right-wing conservative politics in the United States and they have aligned themselves with Republicans and with Trump, and they support Trump. Um, and so that's why it's concerning here. Otherwise, I'd be like, "Oh well, America, you, I can't, I can't vote, so you figure out your own political crisis." But when it starts to filter back into churches, churches that I belong to, into conservative party um, membership of people that I know, and then I start to go. Oh, well, let's have let's talk about where they're getting their ideas. And a lot of the ideas aren't really ideas; they're conspiracy theories. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, but there's also this this word I came across, and I haven't read the document I downloaded called um, "conspirituality." Yeah, <laughs> That's good. It's quite got an interesting idea. Mm. Um, well, like the conspiracy theory around the Black Lives Matter movement, mm. that it is fundamentally anarchist and they want to destroy Western civilization mm. and they are anti-family and, you know, pro-everything that is bad and evil and good and leads to the moral degradation of society. That in itself is a demonization of the movement, um, which doesn't look at the nuances of what they stand for and their distributed leadership and the different ideas that exist even within the movement and the debates that they have internally. 
Um, and it's a conspiracy theory, really, because it's saying this is a grand conspiracy. <laughs> and then you have the George Soros thing, that it's all funded by this, this yeah. evil liberal elite who is just out to destroy everything. I mean, there is no evidence or basis to believe that whatsoever, but it's continuously pushed. And you have people even well, on my social media who are from New Zealand pushing that idea, um, which is concerning. It's so, not so when you evidence. say evidence, what would be the evidence you'd look for? Well, what okay, something like a WikiLeaks dump. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, like, documentary. Okay, Let's um, look at the financial statements. Let's yeah. have let's listen to a secret recorded conversation. Yeah. Some good investigative journalism. Yeah. Or some yeah. you know, of, of George Soros directly saying you know, this is I'm out to do this, this, this. Like we have of presidents and presidential advisors talking about race based policies in the criminal justice system. Mm. We have recorded like recorded evidence of them saying hey this is what we're going to do we're going to set up this hierarchy we're going to paint black people as such and such and this is how it's going to serve our self-interests and if you want to know more about that go and See, watch the documentary, documentary the 13th the 13th which yeah, is available on netflix from ava duvernay the 13th yeah 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 so yeah. <clears throat> but otherwise if all you're going to say about george soros is he's liberal leaning he's elite and he's a philanthropist, and he supports these causes, that's not the case for some evil global, let's tear down Western civilization kind of alarmist language. And the the reason people go to that alarmist language if they're Christian and part of these churches is because of the alarm around end times. And it just... It stops you looking at things very humanely and just seeing the humanity in people because the stakes are so much higher. I mean, this is about the the, the epic final battle between evil and good that we're gearing up for that's going to happen in our lifetime with angels and, and such. And mm, um, mm. and so it becomes... It is an epic case. Yeah, they're a lot more prone. It, it brings out the inner warrior instead of bringing out the inner questioner. And it, it makes them a lot more prone to label things as evil, like off the bat with a snap of their fingers. And buy guns. Yeah, and buy guns and, and start stocking up for the apocalypse. And, not, and a lot of people are doing that, Christian or not. But like, what I'm saying is it's always good to take a step back and just with peace of mind say, I might not have the full story. And I need to educate myself. Do you know, I, I, I the whole phrase I often think, not just the blind spots that every one of us has. Yeah. Um, the um, great saying, great saying, why do you judge your, you know, a brother for... Take for the speaking. Yeah, when you've got a, a log in your own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There just needs to be a whole yeah. lot more I mean, de-logging of eyes. Well, there does. Yeah, there does. Because, um, oh, that that could be a that could be a um, a blog space. De-log blog. <laughs> that could work, eh? I'm, yeah, I'm sure. de-logging. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just de-logging. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot. Uh, uh, about some pretty hefty issues. Yeah. I know in the community there's going to be um, ongoing conversations, like the one tomorrow night. Um, yeah. On systemic racism. I think what's really good because it's helping people define um, and work out not just a position but an action they can yeah. do in response, you know. Like, it's really interesting, the, the thing around... Um, guilt hey yeah well oh okay so that's actually because i was leading into something and then i got sidetracked because right. i started talking about the apostolic stuff yeah but around the response which i said uh, is fear-based i think it's to do with fear of shame what and shame is a fear in itself um yeah and so people point. feel that being held accountable for something yeah or being 
held accountable for having or holding racist ideas or for supporting systemic racism uh, through through not actively challenging it, that people are out to shame them. And that's just simply not the case. You might, being held accountable for ideas and for actions and behaviours that flow from those ideas, which may be racist, and being held accountable for having a lack of understanding about something, isn't the same as being shamed for it. And there's the fear-based response when somebody says, hey, structural racism is a thing. (laughs) And if you're not actively anti-racist, and if you don't even know what it is to be actively anti-racist, you might be or, or hold racist ideas. And people think, no, I'm a good person. I, I, you know, I'm a nice person. I don't, I don't think I hold racist ideas. And then there's this internal fear of this, mm. well, what if they're right? <laughs> mm. Or what if I'm not as good of a person mm. as I thought I was? And nobody mm. wants to, that's not, an, that's not a comfortable question to ask yourself. But it's not about, the thing is, it's not about shame. It's not about shaming people. It's about inviting them into a conversation. It's about saying, hey, you've been absolutely just en- engrossed in this culture, which has a lot of white supremacist ideas and notions, and you have been engrossed in it since you were a child, and not enough has changed to make us aware of some ingrained ideas that we have around other groups and other races and minorities and here let me show you a different way of thinking about this that's not shaming Um, but I do think that sometimes social justice warriors and this is maybe why you said earlier in the conversation that you wanted to distance yourself from the term a lot of them do try and use shame as a social justice tool And this is what Brene Brown talks about on her Unlocking Us Mm. podcast because she's a researcher in shame. Mm. And um, like, man, she's just like the world expert on shame and Mm. shame response and what shaming is. Uh, She says that it's not a good social justice tool Mm. because shame says you are this and you cannot learn from it and you just are innately bad or you are innately corrupt. And actually, a lot of shame-based ideas go on in Christian spaces too often because one, a favorite verse, it seems, of a lot of uh, Protestant pastors and New Apostolic Reformation pastors is that verse that says the the human heart is desperately wicked. Mm. Who can know it? Mm. I mean, that's one verse Mm. written by... um, a prophet, or was it a psalmist? I have to fact check myself. It's not even coming directly from the words of Jesus about what Jesus demonstrated about the human heart and the way he perceives human dignity and human value and human worth. They always go to that. And it creates a really strong culture of shame in the church. Yeah, um, it, it's, 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 it's embedded in the, 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 the idea of original sin and sin nature. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very, very Augustinian. Yeah. And, and which? Which is like, man, you got to hate yourself. At the same time, you got to know you, that Jesus died not hating you, yeah. but loved you. So Because you were so hateful. Because you were so hateful. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so it's confusing, a, and it doesn't... It's a circle, and, and I people, do, not, yeah. do not believe it. And I, if, it's over-exaggerated. Yeah. The, the nature... There are some... Um, and, and it's the whole idea of inheriting, inheriting that. So yeah. that even if you weren't that bad, it's still really bad. Yeah. You just inherited it and because so you're of the bloodline. There's you know, this really so strong yeah. cognitive dissonance that happens oh, yeah. with Christians yeah. that are conservative yeah. that have grown up with that theology, which is on one hand, I'm evil, I'm bad. Mm. And on the other hand, I'm also morally superior because I, I believe that this set of, I have this set of beliefs. Mm. 
my new man, my new inner person. Yeah, and it, but you have to. But try I've got and, this old person in yeah, me. Yeah, and you have to carry that um, internal tension in you all the time, which I don't believe Jesus intended for us to to carry that. I mean, and and then you have somebody coming to you and saying you might not be as good as you think you are. Yeah. Because you yeah. you've rather been than raised in a fundamentally racist society that hasn't really dealt with its past as well as you think it has and you haven't been as educated about the lived experience of others as you think you have and you're not demonstrating love as well as you want to and then to tell that to somebody who has already got this internal tension you've got the fear-based response that comes from the moral superiority which is no i'm supposed to be better than you i'm supposed to be better than that and the shame-based response that comes from i'm actually i'm inherently bad it's really interesting because I really like. There's a lot of pastors that are actually pastoral. Yeah, pastoral. yeah. They actually do care. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. And and, um, and you know they care because yeah. they tend to talk a lot about grace, mm-hmm. a lot about the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, in talking about those things. Um, about character and, and stuff they're not moralizing they're doing it from a very caring position yeah. uh, and then there's then there's those that oh sorry i was just going to say that you know the warring the warring warring they believe we're always in a fight against society yeah, yeah. yeah. and that god's wrath is against those who won't and that comes from being the knee it's yeah. very the old school crusade the, like the, the sinners in the hand of an angry god exactly. type theology yeah and you so want to recommend brian i was just going to do that yeah. <laughs> funnily enough pastor brian zand is a really good person to look at for this um also paul young his conversation with paul young who wrote the shack oh i like uh, i like paul young yeah Man. yeah and also um Lotta, Lotta. i would look at Father Brad Jerzak, who is an Orthodox priest, yeah, uh, and he is a bit more sort of theological. You say Eastern Orthodox priest, Eastern Orthodox, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, so he's written a book called "Her Gates Will Never Be Shut," which relooks at Christian ideas about sin, hell, and atonement from the perspective of actually early church fathers, because we didn't. It's not like we came, Jesus. Ascended to heaven and the Gospels had this, I mean, the, not the Gospels, the Apostles had this fully formed theology that they, you know, and it was the package deal. It's a very good point. It's actually, um, it was worked out by various councils during the early Did you church. just say various? Various. Is that how you say it? Various, yeah. I've always said various. Various. Uh, I mean, you can say either, but various, various. Oh, I've never heard various before. Yeah. It's all that time on social media, dear. <laughs> Through it's, various... It's changing our, even our enunciations. Our various councils, mm, yeah. ecumenical councils. Um, and then the yeah. Reformation happened. So this is what well, we... Well, now talk- you're touching on something that's very sacred, right? Yeah. It's it's the our belief in... Or our, when I say our what people believe in terms of the inspiration and inerrancy of the scriptures. Yeah. And um, why I say it's sacred, it's because um, people, it's one of the things that people dig their heels in on. Yeah, but it's not, this isn't about challenging the, the importance or the inspirate the divine inspiration of scripture. It's about saying the Bible is not the Holy Spirit. The Bible is not Thank God. You. That's, that's what I was. Yeah, the Bible isn't the third member of the Trinity. The scriptures. Yes, exactly. When 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 the church was advancing in those early early days under Roman rule, there were no scriptures. There mm. was no codified. That didn't happen until centuries yeah. later, and so when you. And and also interpretation matters. Yeah. And the Bible is interpreted. Yeah. By mostly throughout history by men and a lot of times by men with agendas, especially when power came into the church. And so you have to take a step back, see the book as divinely inspired, yes, useful for correction and, and instruction, like that 
that scripture yep. says. I can remember the words of scriptures, but I can't. I can never remember the verses, <laughs> the numbers. I think it's in Timothy, Second Timothy. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> but that also um, you can have a degree of human error in there, in around in interpretation, and that actually there is a space for human beings to come together and converse about it and come to shared understandings of it. And sometimes those shared understandings are good and sometimes those shared understandings are bad. (laughs) And the shared understanding around penal substitutionary atonement, which came through John Calvin, was a bad idea. That was a bad idea about God. This courtroom analogy that we had a debt to pay, that debt was death by torture and our bloodshed, and that Jesus stepped in on our behalf to pay that debt to an angry, wrathful God who could not look at us. That's the penal substitutionary atonement model from John Calvin. It is pretty recent in church history. It's not like an ancient idea that, that your forefathers had, that our forefathers had. And it's, um, and it's an idea that's open to criticism and debate. Same with ideas about hell being an eternal place of fiery eternal, punishment. Eternal torment. It's, that's open for discussion. It is, it is not like if you challenge that, you're challenging the authenticity of the Bible. You're saying, actually, I think the Bible authentically says something different. Edward Fudge is who I recommend people, um, if you don't want to read his book, All Consuming Fire, um, mm-hmm. have a look at his YouTube. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I think so. I think it, uh, um, that's a really important thing. One of the reasons... Um, around this conversation in this particular time is that we know something's happened and changed the world under under the the pandemic mm. and it's more about fanning the flames of hope yeah like the what's you know the dark gets darker the light gets brighter sort of thing yeah and so sorry sorry no you finish your thought so um, one of the questions, and this came from a guy, Rupert Sheldrake. He's a character, a real character, a scientist mm-hmm. by trade, you know. Um, but also one of these guys who's sort of travelled into the idea of of um, consciousness and has has these ideas that I think are really interesting around spiritual practices and and morphic resonance and all sorts of things. I don't necessarily say that I'm 100% understanding or agreeing with what he's putting out there, but what I like about it is um, there's this this thing that he does when he asks a, a question called, um, not called, but said, uh, why, title, why is there so much beauty in the world? Yeah. Is, is an antithesis to why is there so much suffering and injustice. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, but also, um, even the group I had this morning, we talked about a little bit about suffering and that out of pain, as we learn, as the wounds are healed, for su- the, um, and it's, it's, not, it's not like um, saying, you know, experience a lot of pain because then you'll, and then get healed, and then you'll be super loving. Yeah. Right? But it's just saying everybody's going to get wounded in this life, whether it's a disappointment and Mm. and a friendship um, or a really horrible, horrible act of experience um, of violence. Um, We're going to have to deal with our own or somebody else's pain. Yeah. And... I think that's why the Good Samaritan is a really... I keep, I've been thinking about that story, that parable, the whole week. Yeah. You know? Uh, who am I to pass the person who through no... Fault of their fault own. Fault of their own. Just happened to be wandering down a road. And, and, and the... the yeah. Beaten on, robbed, left to die. You know? Yeah. That's, you don't get much worse than that. Yeah. Um, and then... And the robbed is a really important point because it, it shows that the reason that person was downtrodden was out of the self-interest of another group that wanted something from them. Yeah. And, and not not only out of mm. hatred mm. or innate violence. Mm. Just self-interest. 
Well, you know, the response of the priest that walks by. Yeah, and then he just, he, he's too busy going about that's, his priestly... That's such a great story. <laughs> ways, yeah. And it's interesting that he uses a Samaritan as well, because when he was talking to a Jewish audience, because that would be like Jesus coming into a, a hardcore right-wing church today and pointing to <laughs> uh, uh, an Islamic priest you know, yeah. who preaches yeah. Islam <laughs> and saying, this man did something that really pleased God. Be like this man, you know? It would even, yeah, it would even be potentially more more scandalous in saying that, considering the divide, the cultural divide between the Jews and Samaritans of that day. But, yeah. Would it? Um, because I was thinking, so... What happens is, is the the um, the Muslim leader comes by and sees and responds and takes him to the place, leaves them enough money to get better. Mm-hmm. She just didn't drop him off at the door. Yeah, actually took care of. Goes the extra mile. Goes the extra mile, the and then and and then <clears throat> then comes back a week later to yeah, check if he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just modernising it. Everyone should know that we're talking about the Samaritan spirit of, yeah. of a person. In their heart, they go to do that, you know, and then gets on with the rest of their life. Yeah. And then you sort of think, it could, it be, it could be a true story. Mm. And if it's a true story, it'd be interesting if these two, if we were to fictionalise it and add on to their story and they meet up later in life, if what he had done, the impact of what had been done for him, mm-hmm. led that person to pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. In some significant way. And so the, the person who was helped by the Good Samaritan becomes yeah. the Good Samaritan. Yeah. And then later on, what I'd write around that, making all this up fictionally, would be that then they run into the robbers. He runs into the robbers. Yeah. And he's confronted with a choice. You yeah. know? But whether or not he's going to... Forgive them. Yeah. Yeah. What would a good Samaritan do in that situation? Well, because this is what Jesus says. The measure of your love for God is your love for your neighbor. And the measure of your love for your neighbor is your love for your enemies. So he says, love God as you love yourself. Love your neighbor and love your enemies. And the the good Samaritan parable Mm. was in response to that question, who is my neighbor? So that who is my neighbour and Black Lives Matter? Yeah, that's the central question, isn't it? That's the central question. Who is my neighbour? You're my neighbour, man. That's going to be the title of my master's thesis, actually. Is it? Yeah, but not. I'm not writing it about Black Lives Matter. It's about um, the duty of care principle, Mm. the neighbour principle, as it's called. Mm. But anyway, that's good. (laughs) That's good. Um. So the, the Black Lives Matter thing is saying, this is. This is my neighbour, and it matters to me. And they've got had a different experience. I haven't been trodden on by robbers. I haven't been robbed, you know. But I'm not going to walk by and watch what is happening to them, mm. um, and not not say something, mm. and not actively combat my own sympathies with the robbers that I might have in my own heart. <laughs> Mm. Through simply the society and the media and um, the the culture that I've been raised in. Do you know one of the things that happened and you in the last few weeks is there's a, there were people and I don't know how prevalent it was who were really acting out of um, uh, uh, who were act, acting out of their own self righteousness I think mm. and um, and and placing death threats. On people from the church, which I, yeah. I that in response to to the way the pastor had talked about Black Lives Matter and Indigenous issues in New Zealand as well. Yeah, that yeah. that saddens me because um, I can I can I can relate as a father if my if my children were getting death threats, you know, and my grandchildren were getting hurt and mm. things were being said and whatever I just think um, I can't that's 
not something that I will, I can honour. It's something that I have to sort of say no. Well, that's because shaming, and gone way too far. Is it's, which is the ultimate shaming, which is saying you don't even deserve to be alive because of what you've which done. Is, which is why it's it, not a good social justice tool. Yeah. And the people who are engaging in that, they're not yeah. really acting out of a sense of justice. No, they're not. They're, it's it's vengeance. It's vengeance. And but the thing is, what this pastor does wrong is he categorises everybody acting for justice as acting out of vengeance. Because I've been listening to the messages he's been putting out the last couple of Sundays and his take on Black Lives Matter, and he sees it primarily as about being about revenge, and it's not. It's not about revenge. No. It's about equality. Uh, and that's a really yeah. good point. And so one of the things that... That doesn't mean... Sorry, just before you... I just think on, that... It yeah. doesn't mean that there aren't people who are out for revenge, and yeah. there are. And you're yeah. going to... You're going to tap into that yep. when you are not careful with how you address this. And one of the things around revisionist history is mm. the story that's been invisible has to become visible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people, everybody has been invited to redress historically Yeah. Um, what was... When it comes out, it comes out, yeah. and the light goes on, and it's clearly a lot of a lot of injustice. Yeah, and we haven't dealt with it. We haven't dealt with it in New Zealand. America definitely hasn't dealt. Yeah, obviously, with their history. I think. Yeah, sorry. I mean, that's why there's the civil unrest. There haven't been reparations. There hasn't been the conversation. There've, there's been progress. Yeah. But there's also been yeah a, a prevalent racism that has continued and changed form. And in New Zealand, we haven't had the conversations that we need to have. Um, we only really even started talking about this with the, the Māori Renaissance and the Waitangi Tribunal and things that happened in the, the last half of last century. Mm. Um, yeah, from the 70s onwards, eh? Yeah, yeah which is um, not that long ago. <laughs> no, I was alive. Yeah, you were alive. Was... And so to think that we can, we can fix in essentially one generation... Yeah one class of professionals that have gone on to become teachers and things like that is, no, like my generation is going to carry on that work. That's the thing. Your generation um, gets handed this. Yeah, thanks. And um, my generation, which um, which grew up in it um Needs to, needs to re-story, not fictionalise, but revisit how we got to where we got to here. Yeah. And yeah. and one of the one of the big things that really should be driving that interest and focus is the fact that uh, when we talk about disparities, Maori and Pacific are on the bottom rungs. Yeah. Across. And they're overrepresented in our prison populations. Yeah. Yeah, massive problem. Yeah, and and um, and in health, health well, outcomes as well across the and the, educational outcomes as well. We simply. have one of the most um, educationally unequal um, countries out of thirty six OECD countries. That was a report by oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Google it; it's definitely out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you're right. I mean, yeah. prison uh, prison stats are high, mm. disproportionately in terms of population our housing ownership is low yeah our household income is low yeah our, <laughs> our household um and the racist crowd is high yeah the racist idea most, yeah behind that that a lot of people have but they don't necessarily realize they have is that those populations deserve it that they've somehow done something that earns them you know, to be overrepresented, to be um, marginalised, to not have fair education outcomes, that it's something innately within them, it's something wrong with them, and not with policy. And the question about anti-racism is actually to look at the policies that have well, favoured certain groups and that have continued narratives that are um, disadvantageous and marginalising of other groups. And that we haven't done the work that needs to be done to fully eliminate those those uh, policy disparities and those narrative disparities. 
Do you think we will, in the next 10 years, get further down the track? Because you'll be 33 in 10 years. I think we're heading in the right direction. And I think as more people tap into actually becoming actively anti-racist instead of just bowing out and saying, oh, no, I'm a good person, I'm not racist. Mm. Um, Mm. Then, and a lot of that is going on, and the more conversations like this happen, I think that we'll, we'll make progress. Yeah, so do I. Um, yeah. I see the protest as something that's actually quite hopeful. Yeah, same. Yeah. You know, it's shedding light on something. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's amazing to see it happen all over the world. You know that this is actually a global issue. That this is a, mm. a human issue. It's actually heartwarming. <laughs> and that I think is one of the key things that's happening at the mm. moment with the everything that. Um, it's being shaken. Yeah. It's a lot of the conversations that I'm seeing people having are very much about what do we need to be doing yeah. in the future that's going to, that's really values orientated. Yeah. And where we've come to, you know, isn't that great. Yeah, it's definitely not as good as it could be. Yeah, yeah. So on that side of things, I'd sort of say, well, the world isn't hasn't really. I like that's why I'm tapping into Jordan Peterson uh, stuff around the shadow and the. Uh, he had a really clear view of how how appalling we could be, mm. and we needed to learn. Um, that, that was something you have to acknowledge. Yeah. But you know what? Do you he's, know? he's not cynical about no. human beings and human relationships. He easily could be. Yeah. And he is sometimes made out to be that way. Yeah. But... Um, he sees human capacity for good, eh? Yeah. He definitely... He, he actually um, thinks that you need to understand both your capacity for yep. evil yeah. and your capacity for good. Yeah. And that everything that you do matters because there is a flow and effect it's like you're he often uses this analogy it's like you're standing and you're holding hands with two people on your right and left and then they're holding more hands and they're holding more hands and whether wherever you take a step you're taking all of those people with you um if you're taking a step Um, forward or a step back because that ripple effect is that we're connected yeah um Mm. That um, was probably a good place to to end this very long conversation. This very this conversation that was that's um, gone on for like over an hour now. Yeah, nearly yes. two hours. Yeah, almost, actually. So I hope there's something for people who have you know been processing um, what's going on. Maybe and, a little bit frustrated because yeah. they find themselves in in different camps to, to close yeah. friends or family. And maybe things are a bit more... Um, atten- a, a, I've got to go to the dentist. There's a hole in my tooth. So when I go to say certain words, I feel it's going to whiff like that. <laughs> right. You know? Um, and so what I was going to say was, you know, that you might be feeling that this little, um, things are just a little bit sharper or weightier Mm. than perhaps they need to be Mm. yeah so this is my thing there's a couple two things that I'll end with one is that when I look at life and I look at people I don't romanticise people Mm, yeah you know but I do see people as beautiful with a sliver like if it's a circle if we were just big circles (laughs) yeah to on two dimensional space, I'd draw a wee thin sliver of a pizza, like a pizza, and I'd go, Yeah, well, that's that slither of who I am is not great, it's pretty awful, and yeah, yeah, it's there's going to be some judgment on that. <laughs> but the bigger part of me is that, mm. um, so I can ex- I can accept, um. And feel free that most people, like myself, we're doing the best I can in that 97% of 
goodness. And that <laughs> slither is just what we've got to deal with. Got to keep, yeah. be mindful of, you know. Most people that I have w- work with, um, that's how I, I see them. There's very few people, very few people that I would categorize as really nasty, mean, um, dictate, dictatorial, arrogant. Um, mm. You know. Yeah. There are very, very few, few that are really like that. Yeah. 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 So that's a good thing. I mean, we're talking billions of people on this planet. I don't know. I know. I know. I know less than a grain of sand of them, but of those that I do know, most of them, most over my lifetime, you know, are worth a lot more. I think then often, often they've received credit for or honouring. Mm. A lot of people I've known who haven't been honoured, yeah. as they should have been. And then there's those who have been honoured. More than they should have been. More than they should have been. <laughs> so one of my fundamental rules for life is give honour where it's due and not where it's not. Yeah. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide I don't have much money, but boy, if I did I'd buy a big house where we both could live If I was a sculptor But then again, no, or a man who makes potions in a traveling show. I I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do. My gift is my song, and this one's for you. Tell everybody This is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down your When you practice what you preach And what you tell me about Wonderful Wonderful. 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 Wonder